Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award-winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free, and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Unlaced Podcast. We have to talk about, we have been back from a four-week break, so I have missed you all uh, out there. What a year it was last year in 2022. This year, we are going for bigger and better, of course. We are going to have weekly shows on Tuesday nights, as we did towards the end of last year. Um, to all the people that keep coming back, I love you so much. Thank you very much. And to all the new people here, please do give us a like and subscribe. It's how we grow. Let me know what guests you guys want on as well this year, because we are an open book. It's a blank canvas. We'll try to get as many on as we can as possible. Um, Today's guest, the first one of the year, this is a a podcast, actually, I came across a very deep football podcast by a couple of handsome young folks from Sydney called Born Offside. And today we have one of the hosts of it who's doing many things in the football space, Claudio Fabiano, mate. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, mate. First of 2023, that's a big deal. It's a a big honor, but it's (laughs) it's great to be here, mate. Thanks for having me. Keen to get into it. It could either only go up or down from here. exactly right. Let's let's, let's hope it goes up from here. Let's hope. We'll set the tone. Now, for those that don't know you, I want to go just a little bit into your background because we can touch on a little bit, but you do quite a lot of things, man. Yeah. Um, it's pretty impressive as well for your age because how old Thanks, are you? Man. 26. 26. Yeah, 26. So you're, is there, there's not too many TV presenters like working for Optus Sport and SBS yeah. in the country. No, there's not. At yeah. that age, definitely not. Um, yeah. yeah, it's kind of a new niche really because you know all these presenters, all these broadcasters from TV, they've realized the world's changing and they need their older heads, but they need their younger heads. They need people that can jump on social, jump on TV. So I think I kind of like, I came up through this this new emerging niche of like a social media creator that right. learned to kind of sharpen up professionalism, you know, deal with a producer in my ear, deal with curators, all that kind of thing and, and do it on TV as well. Right. Um, and now- I've got my own company. I wanted yesterday. Part of what we're doing is growing more talent that people that are creators that have a great audience already, but just need that extra sharpening professionally and want to jump in and, and be on TV because why not? Yeah. So that's, that's the other thing as well. It's just, and it is amazing because we'll go into it a lot more, but um, you obviously have like, it's, is it like a production company you would yeah, say? I wanted yeah, yesterday. Yeah. But it started off as just a production company. Now right. we've kind of like ventured out. So now we've got a few of our own publishers like Born Offside, which oh, we own the IP of, but also talent is our biggest thing now because we, we found out, you know, we started off thinking, I love, it literally started with, I love football. I don't really love the way football is communicated in this country. Let's try to change that. But then we realized we actually had a passion for a lot more than just football. We had a passion for media generally. And I guess the lack of diversity in voices, in tones, in color, in gender, in all these things that you see, especially in sport. So we're like, wow, we have a passion for this as well. Let's try to change that too. So this is our newest venture that we're trying to do. It's pretty- um Pretty, pretty crazy. So where did the podcast sort of idea come from? Because you guys have, I think there's three or four of you per episode. Yep. Yep. I like it because it's purely deeply about football. Yep. You don't get too many young people in Australia pushing out content, talking about like the global game yep. as such, which yep. I find interesting. Mm. Um, so how did, how did that sort of come together? What was the thinking behind that? You know what? I met 
Kat Haddad, um, I met her through like a work meeting. We had a coffee. We we're going to work together. And mm. she was kind of trying to do this podcast when she was living in Barcelona and, and her best friend was in Liverpool and they were doing a football podcast together and she wanted to continue it. She'd just come back home because of COVID. Right. So I was like, okay, that's really interesting. Then Olan, uh, Olan Tech is what a lot of people know from like social Man, media. He's hilarious, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's my just shut up, my, right? I was just saying to Braden before, my favorite stuff that he posts is when he compares like Australia to the UK. Yeah, yeah. He just hammers one or the other. Man, I always, <laughs> I always give it to him because he's just, he's just like- I played football with him when he first got here. Right? Oh, so we, really? We played together in the NPL. Okay. Uh, we spent a bit of time together and then he started posting all his content and uh, turned into like, I always give it to him. He's turned into like a C-list celebrity. Where yeah. I, I, go, I go out with him for a drink and he's constantly stopped for photos no and that constantly, man. People no love way. him. Um, so yeah, we decided the three of us, I introduced Kat and Olan and okay. they hit it off straight away and we we're like, all right, let's, let's sit down and chat football together. Like we all have very different walks of this game yeah um he obviously playing overseas and and me growing up through the system here cat through women's football seeing the problems there as well as everything else and we don't mind saying what we really think yeah you know? it's good because you guys go back and forth at each other and yeah. like oh, that's yeah. what that's what i love about it it's yeah. kind of like there's there's um some fragments there at time but yeah. you go through all all sort of topics in world football as well which i think is good because sometimes we just like people are interested in the A-League, but sometimes mm. they want to hear about like the other stuff that's Definitely. going on, you know? Yeah. And you know what I always say about that? Cause people are like, they want us to talk more Australian football, which we always do. But I think, you know, what we lost when, remember when all the A-League was on Fox sports with yeah. the Premier League and yeah. you used to have the A-League at 7.30, go straight into the yeah. Premier League. There's this thing, when you talk about both those leagues on the same level, you're doing a service for the game. You know, Correct. when you, when you, when you're talking about this left winger that's playing for Melbourne and then you compare him to a left winger that's playing for Manchester United, you don't realize mm. what it does in people's minds, but it lifts it to the same level. Yeah. So I think that's what we try and do. It's not that we just want to neglect. We want to talk a bit of A-League, then talk Italy, then talk South America because it's all the same football rather than keep pushing our one down and putting it in its own right. bucket. Okay. So were you getting so, these presenting gigs from sort of doing this content? Is that how you kind of got, um, I guess, sort of not scouted, but like, I guess, seen by some of these platforms that you would be of value to their stations or whatever? Yeah. You know what happened? I, I was I was playing a lot of football, um, had a few injuries where I had to stop for two years and then started creating my own content on, it was a platform called Sportly. We created a page on Instagram. We we're just right. creating content whenever we could on the weekends, right? We created a show called Socks and Slides. Um, and it was like similar, you know, similar to this, we had a guest on, any guest we could, we, that I knew through the football world, I'd bring them on, we'd chat. And that got the attention of being sports. Oh, wow. Um, and so during COVID, they had no football. They had a lot of holes in the broadcast. They gave us a little show. And we still do it now. Um, so you, so you're across like all those three: Optus, Bein, yeah, yeah. SBS. Yeah. So I've taken myself off Bein. I'm okay. trained up a new host there. So I'm I roll in and out of the show occasionally, but I'm not hosting it anymore. But okay. yeah, it's still our show as a company. That is insane. Um, that was the first big one, and then from there it just snowboarded. Like the biggest thing is I always say like if you wait for the opportunity, it's hard. Someone might yeah. call you, give you one day's work, yeah. and then you don't get anything for six months. So you have to create your own shows. Yeah. So that you practicing every day of every week that's you know crazy, and, and if you're doing that if you're doing this three four five times a week eventually like you just someone's yeah. going to pick you up straight away because you're improving every well, day yeah there's not many people doing it either so yeah. what's the what's the topic around the being sports shows that football orientated or yeah, so that's a preview show they've got heaps of leagues right so that's italy germany championship scottish prem french so you gotta be across everything man so even as a football fanatic man that's not yeah. easy to do no it's the biggest blessing was that being sports contract because obviously right. i knew a lot of premier league i knew a fair bit of Serie A because i'm italian background yeah things like copa libertadores in south america african nations cup like all this stuff that they show games every day man yeah because i was doing that every week it just 
help my knowledge. I'd walk into Optus and there'd be a player signing from Liga to the Premier League. No one knew him and I knew all his stats and stuff because I'd been covering it. Oh, so it helps no you. It helps you a lot. There's a lot of football out there. It's good to be across it all. Do you do much research of, of stuff like that before you go on to those shows or do you, is yeah. it kind of come natural? Because I remember watching you at the, um, one would have been around the World Cup when we played Denmark and you just reeled off a stat around Denmark. I'm like, right. how the fuck did yeah. you know that? <laughs> I mean, you like, know what? Did you, was that premeditated? <laughs> Possibly. Like, I don't yeah, know. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I'd think about it, you, you would probably have to, wouldn't you? Yeah, like, like there's some stuff which is just banked up but I've always had pretty good short-term memory so like I always same that's how I got through school like literally cramming in my study it's not the way you should do things yeah. but I'd cram in my study the morning of an exam you know I was always really good at remembering it for about 24 hours and then it's just gone Fuck so it helps me, with what bro. I do here as well um, you find yourself reading a lot more articles a lot more stats and probably watching less 90 minute games because you yeah. just don't have the time yeah. so you just got to just find all the key points man it's tough bro that's yeah. tough so for, for me because like I, I probably started making content like only in the last few years, but like, I absolutely love it because yeah. I, I, I caught myself just watching YouTube, like yeah. always watching sort of homemade content, even yeah. whether it was on a, you know, an enterprise scale or not. Yeah. What was it for you that drew you to want to make content? Like what was sort of the, the pull? I think, you know, it was, I always had, I, I always had an underlying passion. I think growing up playing football, I didn't realize I, I had this passion to be creative as well. Um, I went to a school which was quite a conservative school. We didn't have any drama or anything like that. It was mm. all boys school and like drama was for girls at the time. They, <laughs> they do now, they've implemented it now. <laughs> but when I was there, there was no drama. There was none of those things. So like, I always wanted to do that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then they actually, I hosted. So with my co-host on being sports, we went to school together. We hosted the talent show at school. No way. And, and that's when I was like, I used to do that every year. And I was like, I like this. I like this whole presenting thing. And then when I had to take two years off football, I had to replace my hip at a young age. I was like, okay, I know a lot of people in the game that would give me half an hour with them to chat. My first interview was Alex Brosk. Oh, it was for amazing. a charity. Um, and I was really nervous, but I enjoyed the experience. I enjoyed just like, I felt like these guys are so used to sitting in front of journalists who are grilling them yeah. that it's a, for them, it's a breath of fresh air to just sit down and talk like a human being yeah. to someone else. Like and, a mate almost. And they come to life. Like you'd see it. I've seen on oh, your man, podcast, you had Matt like, Leckie most recently. And like, they come to life when they're talking to you because you can relate to them. A, because you're a footballer yourself. Mm. So they know that they feel comfortable with you. Yeah. B, you're just chatting to them like a human being. You're not, you haven't got cameras down their face and yeah. lights on. You're not them, interrogating. You're not interrogating them. And yeah. that's modern media, you know? Yeah. So. Like some people that don't really understand what we do, they'll, they'll be like, oh, so you're a journalist. And I'm like, no, like, yeah. I'm a, like, I don't know what I am really. I'm a creator. I guess you could say that. Yeah. Um, but not journalists. It's not that. Yeah, sit down we don't, you, I'm probably saying with you, it's, you don't really gossip on people. No. Like well, one of my rules, because like I've obviously, like you said, played as well. Yeah. It's like, I just don't talk shit about anyone. Exactly. Because like- You know what it's like. I, yeah. And how would I know? I wasn't there when yeah. stuff happened. So like I tend to, and I think that actually builds like- a safe space for the athletes yeah. or the business person or whoever comes on 100%. like our shows because yeah. they know that you're kind of looking after their brand as well. Exactly. Yeah. And it does, man. That's why these, that's why our platforms or in general podcasts like get more attention yeah. because the guests just like, oh, who the fuck are they? I didn't yeah. know they were like that. Yeah. And it's a mad opportunity for them because yeah. like, you know, you know how it is now today with the world of social media. If you're an athlete, like you got to be capitalizing on all the rest. Yeah. Like you look at these, like you look at look, the effect of, I guess, cum dog in the, in the A-League, right? <laughs> Everyone loves Jason Cummings because he's got a character and he's yeah. not afraid to show it. And it's easy. He's not doing anything outrageous. <laughs> he's just chatting. He's just saying what he thinks here and there. And I'm sure there's brand deals that come from that. There's a lot of interest and it can help. So he's it's good to be He's infectious. Did you exactly. see the thing he posted? Uh, I think it was when Australia got, it might have been for the World Cup finally posted a photo of him like speaking in Messi's ear and his yeah. caption was like don't play the occasion play the game he's a legend he's a legend here's a question for you do you reckon if he didn't have that character right and he wasn't that lovable and everything would he have played for the soccer is at the World Cup um 
you know what? I think being that character makes him the footballer he is. Like yeah. in, in regards to because he's so out out there in a sense of like he kind of like he doesn't really care about what people think. Like yeah. he's totally himself. Yeah. I think he's like has supreme confidence on yeah. the on the field. Yeah. Like he feels if it's a pressure moment, like I, he's got no fear. I, I can score the goal. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He looks like he's having fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I really like him as a player, man. He's he was really highly rated in Scotland. Yeah. I, I was. At um, I trialed at Hibernian like in 2015, and he was there. Oh man! And everyone was like, "This guy's gonna be a superstar." Awesome! And yeah. then yeah, out of nowhere, I was like, "Fuck! I know that guy." Yeah, yeah, he's so he'd be great on here. Yeah, I know. Get him mate, on. we've got to get him on. You got to get him on. Yeah, he's a, he's a jokester too, man. Yeah. Anyway, about the, even the the interviewees after the game, they're kind of like they don't really know how to handle it because he's just exactly. coming at him. It's, it's so good. I love it. We need more of that. We yeah, we do. We absolutely absolutely do. Now, one of the one of the ways I came across you, Claude, obviously was your mm. podcast, Born Offside podcast. We have to give that a plug. So for those that haven't checked it out, go go and do that and Thanks. see some of Claude's work. It's absolutely awesome. But um, the first time I sort of probably saw more of you was around the World Cup. Yeah. yeah. And there was, I guess, a crew of you that got working with SBS. There was yeah. different shows. You yeah. were actually like on regularly with some of the panelists at times. Like yeah. it was pretty full on experience. Yeah, so it's crazy. Before we go into the World Cup, just want to know like how that came about and obviously the overall experience of that. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. As I said, our company, I want it yesterday. We we actually crossed paths with some of the guys at SBS. It was uh, at the cricket of all places. What? Right. So start of last year, um, went out. This is why it's very important. Anyone that's starting any sort of business or any, anything in a cricket, you get invited to something, uh, an event, just go. Say yes. Yeah, I'm not a big cricket man myself, yeah. you know, and, and neither is my business partner. We're just not really into cricket, but we thought, you know what? Let's go. We'll go to this 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 box. We'll go enjoy the cricket. Like, why not? Let's give it a chance. Yeah. Firstly, the cricket was decent. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot was about it. Was this like a test it match? Was, yeah, yeah. At SCG of, last year. Yeah, SCG last year. Right. Right. Okay. But we, we met um, one of the people from SBS and just started chatting about what their plans were for the year. They knew who we were. They'd seen some of our shows and we were, we didn't realize that that many people knew about us. Um, fast forward, we end up, you know, catching up and having lunch with them. And, and I guess they learned more about our story and how we were impacted by SBS growing up. Um, you yeah. know, my parents Italian. So me and my older brother who I work with as well, we grew up Sunday Arvos, Les Murray, World oh, Game. That was everything for us, right? Yeah. That was, I remember when that was the only football you could get before Fox Sports kind of blew up Literally. with the A-League and everything. Yep. So, you know, explaining our stories to them and they saw a lot of similarities. And I guess we're very, we're a little bit edgy. We're a little bit Gen Z in a lot of ways. And SBS, you know, traditionally are on the other side, mm. but they knew that their brand had to go that way. And that football has now fragmented into so many different broadcasters, but they're still the spiritual home. Yeah. They looked at us and they're like, I think you're the spiritual like production agency for football. You know, everything about you, everyone, the person that's holding the camera has a club, loves it, plays it. You know, the person that's in charge of the audio has a club, loves it, plays it. Really? And they saw that and they were like, this, we have to work with you. Um, and it was amazing. And they gave me the opportunity to host the daily show, World Cup Daily. And they they trusted me to bring my crew on. So I had Olan, I had Kat Haddad, I had oh, Kat so Sasso. you could run sort I of, had, you had a bit of freedom to. The whole creative freedom Are you the producing show. the show in regards to like the production stuff, your company? Or is yeah. that is that SBS is doing that and it's no. just you guys doing the content? We did the entire show. Wow. So yeah. they've given you like full ownership yeah. in a sense. Yeah. And even like one of my best mates, Adamo, who I grew up with and we've had shows together, um, like I called him up and I was like, listen, I've got this amount of budget available. I want to send you to Qatar for the whole World Cup. And like, he was, he was so beside himself and yes. he went there and he absolutely smashed it. And like, for me to be able to call those shots and put the people that I've been working with for so long on yeah. this show, oh, on the biggest stage, just like, it was amazing. That'd be rewarding amazing. as hell. Yeah. Who, can you reel off some of the names that you interviewed through, through that period? Because on that show? Yeah. You had a lot of big names. Yeah. Well, even, we, even like people dialing in or whatever in yeah, person, it was pretty big. It was good. We opened up with Harry Kuehl. 
That's so big, that was first. big start. That was a big start. We he's, knew like how humble is he? he's. He's a really edge. good guy, eh? Yeah, amazing. Really, yeah, he's a, he's a chiller. Really good, and he was flying to Qatar that night. So he came into our studios, shot right. with us, and then just spent the whole day because he's like, we're near the airport. He's just like, well, I'm not going to go back home. So he's, he hung out with us the whole day. Like Harry oh. Q was like, had lunch with us, just hanging out, chatting to everyone, Dude, like kicking a ball around. My mind. He's yeah. he's like my biggest idol growing yeah. up. Like, bro, it was surreal. It was really surreal. And that was that was how we started. Like, he's going to be a good month, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> how does um, it get better than how that? How does it get better? Uh, yeah. But it was good. Yeah, we had the whole SBS crew on. So we had um, Craig Foster on, Mark Bosnich was on. Um, Scott McDonald, who's a good friend of mine, yeah. came on a couple of times because he's got he's got cracker banter as well as being an awesome <laughs> yeah. player. Um, we had Martin Tyler on from Qatar, no hanging way. out with Adama, which is amazing. Like two very different generations, but those two just got along like a house on fire. Really? Yeah, yeah. How old is Martin Tyler? He's in his seventies. Yeah, bro, he's still as be- as good as ever. Isn't yeah, he? yeah, it's crazy. And just to hear like his experiences, he's covered so many World Cups. Yeah, and he had a great chat with Adamo about generations. Like he was he was talking. So this is when when Pele was still around right and we knew he was sick but he was he was still alive and he was talking about how Pele will always be the greatest for him because it's the generation you grew up with yeah. and he was talking to Adamo he's like Messi will probably always be the best for you even when you talk to your grandkids and they have this new one it's just it's something sticks with you at that age yeah. so he was like just idolizing Pele and talking to Adamo who's trying to like tell him about Messi's better and all this oh. stuff and it was just such a good chat so all these guys to have him on was just yeah it was just, it was just amazing legends of the game yeah special man you're actually speaking of um that with the generational views of players, you know, Neil Warnock, the yeah. coach in the Premier League, mm. he's, but they asked him who the greatest player all time to him was. Mm. And he said, Pale. Yeah. And he goes, he went and watched Santos play. I think it was like Nottingham Forest or someone back in the seventies, like yeah. at their ground, it was like a yeah. wet rainy night. Yeah. And he goes, no one could get near Pale. He was doing things that no one could do. And then mm. he got a penalty. Mm. And back then he did like similar to like what Jorginho does now. Right. He stopped You're and right. like propped and then the keeper went and yeah. he just put it to the side. Yeah. And back then it was like, what the no fuck? No one's ever done that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then a, an opposition player went down the other end and tried to do it when yeah. they had a penalty. Yeah. He fucking roofed it. <laughs> he's like, so he's like, Pelé was different class because it's just yeah. that time, you know? Yeah. It's like, you see all those videos of like the things Pelé did first. That's the thing. Of course, oh. football, football is always going to get better. It's evolution, but- mm. All those skills you see, the, the ones you take for granted, like a simple Ronaldo chop, and you see Pele did it in yeah. the 50s. Like he started all yeah, that. So the Cruyff mind, turn, everything. The Cruyff turn, yeah, That yeah. stuff would have been mind-blowing. Now yeah. we see it, it's just like an yeah. extension of, yeah. of what we know. Yeah. Hey, what was your take of the overall Qatar World Cup? Because obviously there was, there was a lot of contentious issues going in, yeah. but now we've come out of it. I yeah. mean, what was your sort of overall view was, of how it was? It was quite interesting because we were really immersed in it because – when you're working with SBS, not only you have SBS Sport, but you have SBS World News. So they yeah. were covering everything. So you got to you got to hear everything from both sides. Sport was instructed to kind of just stick to sport, yeah. but the news team was everywhere. Human rights, all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah, and obviously you know Foz like yeah, he's, man, he's, he's massive on incredible that. Incredible. Right? So, yeah. so chatting to him as well, I guess I got a lot more background about things. And yeah, it's it's controversial to say the least. Of course, mm. um, there's no doubt about that. But the World Cup, I thought from a football perspective, from a tournament perspective, was. Pretty incredible. I thought it was one of the best ever. I didn't expect that. I really didn't. I really didn't. When I heard how, okay, these stadiums are all so close to to each other, air-conditioned stadiums, like seriously, like, and this isn't done and these hotels have, and Adamo was on the ground, one of my best mates. We FaceTimed every day. And he's like, mate, it's seamless. It's seamless. Really? Everything's been so easy. The stadiums have been incredible. All of them are state of the art. The football's been good. The players, he goes, in the stadiums, he goes, if you're not careful, you don't have a jacket, you'll catch a cold. Like it's perfect <laughs> conditions to play football. It's like, you cannot tell that. That's what Marco Tilio said when he came on here. He's yeah. like, man, it's like sitting on your couch. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, in Qatar, yeah. it's the Middle East. Like yeah. it's fucking hot there. Man, it's just the amount of money. They could build something we hadn't seen before. Seriously, yeah. yeah. And he was saying, actually, I think the one of the stadiums, I think it was the shipping container stadium, 
wasn't used after like the quarterfinals and he passed it before the final and it was already half deconstructed and being shipped to be built in another country. Like they, straight away, as soon as the last game was played, they started doing that. So it's oh just my God. It's another level like of I, I was um I was super like excited about the football going in because I was like, I watched this clip with um David Beckham and he was talking about England's World Cup experiences when he was captain. And he said one of the biggest challenges for him was like fuck, coming off these 50, 60 game seasons yeah. and then going into like, <clears throat> excuse me, a two month training camp yeah. for like the World Cup. And he's yeah. like, by the time you got to game one, you were fucking exhausted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas this time around, this like, blessing. yeah, players have played like 10, 15 games. Yeah. They're fresh as anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like the short turnaround. Like if you got an injury, you, you missed the World Cup. That was, was the only downfall. Yeah. We lost a few big players, <laughs> but, um, but in the end, yeah, it was amazing. And you couldn't have written a better storyline. I think, as Aussies, we loved it more because, I mean, we won two games, kept yeah. two clean sheets. Like yeah. that was the best run we've had. I mean, I know we remember 06 and it was yeah. amazing because it was the first run we had, but this was like to win two games back to back and then push Argentina the way we pushed them. It was amazing. Yeah. So I think as Aussies, this will always have a special spot, but even just because Messi, he's a great of the game. Everyone knows whether you think he's the goat or not, he's a great of the game and he's gone all the way and finally won the World Cup after losing it. So the storylines were all there. Yeah. Morocco, the storylines were all there. It was yeah, it was, it was amazing. Hey guys, just a quick pause in this episode to let you know that I have partnered with Dabble this year. Share the experience. Now, Dabble is a online betting platform. It is absolutely unbelievable. Very similar to Instagram where you can follow people and copy their bets. Now, you guys may have seen me do some World Cup streams through the World Cup, talking about the World Cup, building bets, which we were very successful at. So we are going to be doing that every week from Tuesday nights, 7 to 8 on the Dabble YouTube platform. So come along. Let's talk about sport, football, whatever it may be and build some multis that are going to get up. I'll be there 7 p.m. every Tuesday on the Double YouTube. Let's get back into the episode. I'm going to put you on the spot here and this is going to be a tough question to answer because yeah. you've been a part of both through, a, you know, a kid and adult probably. Yeah. But which one do you give more credit to for the soccer who's getting out of the, wow. the group 06 or 2022? Like which one for mm. you is, because both groups were tough. Yeah. The, the sort of, 06 was like the first time ever, but then this time yeah. no one gave him a chance. Yeah. Um, can you can you split them? You know what? Like it's similar to that conversation we just had generational wise. 06 will always be special to me yeah. because of my age at the time, because of everything, because I was at the Uruguay game to qualify and then I got to watch that and that was, that was special. But as an achievement- I would say this one. Yeah, probably. I think so too. I would say this one. Man, yeah. the, the players last time, you they were expecting to get out of the group. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and there was, there was only one way we were going to, and this is why you got to give credit to the manager and staff, because there was only one way we were going to get out of that group, especially after losing 4-1. Oh, man. There was only one way we had to play, and there was only one way we were going to get out of it, and we went there and went clean sheet, clean sheet, 1-0, yeah. 1-0, and we're through. And yeah. it was perfect. And that's, that's, that's everything we had to do, we did. Absolutely. You know, and in the end, Tunisia ended up beating France. So we had I to know, win that but game. Yeah, I know. It's funny. We spoke about this with um, Lex. For those that haven't seen the, the episode with Matthew Lecky, go back and check it. It's so, so crazy. Some of the, just like hearing him talk about yeah. like Mbappe up close or yeah. Messi and like what he saw. But yeah. um, he was telling us that they didn't know the yeah. scoreline. And uh, Milos uh, Deginek on the, on the sideline, heard about it and started telling the whole team. And because Mills is the kind of guy that would like just amp up the soccer yeah. So no one believed him because yeah. like he's just saying it so everyone yeah. switches on. Yeah. And then they finished like, fuck. He was legit. Thank God. Yeah. Because they, they beat France. Yeah. Amazing. And you, France's second team was still like, yeah. you know, a proper team. Just up the French there. I was yeah. spewing watching oh, that. How are you losing one oh nil? Oh my but, God. But uh, yeah, that was, that was amazing. It was perfect. And then the Argentina game, you know, like oh. even that in itself, like I don't know whether that last 20 minutes in itself was amazing. Mm. I don't know if we would have played like that if we weren't 2-0 down. 
Yeah. It's almost like a blessing we copped the 2-0 because yeah. we just said, you know what, fuck it. We're going to go for it. Go for it, yeah. And then you got Beige taking on players like Roberto Carlos. Bro, so if, got, if that yeah. one had a go, if that had gone in, that was goal of the tournament. Yeah, 100%. Like, just missed it. 100%. Yeah. The, yeah. Right, the right pair guzzies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we said two, this is what I find fascinating. So I, don't, I think maybe people overlooked it. We've been out of two World Cup groups, mm. been knocked out by the champions both times there you go like literally within a How kick good. italy within a, within a kick argentina could have like could have gone other way yeah Garakor slots that yeah seriously imagine that yeah yeah my so it's, goodness it's something to be proud of with the team we had with the qualification we had and all the problems and all the media scrutiny they should all be proud of themselves yeah do you have a like is a, a very obvious highlight for you about the world cup like one thing that stands out that you're just like fuck I mean, look, f- f- away from the football, it's, of course, doing the show we did with the people we did because it was yeah. like watching all the games together every morning in, you know, before the sun rises. And it was just like, it sounds crazy. It sounds terrible, but it's the best thing ever. And like really? when we hit the first rest break, it, like rest day, I just wake up and I was like, I miss it already. Like it was, it was just shit. I want to really? get back in there. It was so good because it's with a good crew and at our own studios as well. So we had our own rules and everyone having kickabouts once we finished shooting and just like real good vibe. But from a football point of view, my highlight, yeah. from a football point of view, I mean, it has to be. It has to be the Socceroos, doesn't it? I'm not just saying that because it was on your pod. It has to be Lecky's goal. Yeah, yeah, Lecky's goal for me. It has right. to be Lecky's goal because I love, I love Matt Lex, but he was gassed. I was yeah. watching that game. I was like, hey, if I was a gaffer, I'd probably take Lex off <laughs> because he looked gassed. Like, guy had played almost every minute of the, of the group stage. I was like, he looked so tired. And then to have the energy to do what he did there and like in and out, zigzag, stay calm, left foot, it's perfect. That was the highlight, man. He's he's the chillest guy ever, man. Yeah. That's one yeah. of the most common, um, like reviews or comments we've got about it and they're like man I've never like seen a more chill person yeah. like, like he was speaking about the goal and he was just like yeah like like it's just like it was nothing yeah. I'm like bro that is every kid's dream yeah, what you just yeah. did like can't yeah. get better than that yeah, yeah. he um I think he was, he was speaking about it it's like when he got the ball he was just looking for someone to pass the whole time yeah there's no one around yeah no one around so he had to do what he did and yeah. it's like but that just forced him to be um the superstar he was yeah, man. yeah. crazy that was an amazing moment it was the best do you, uh, so I'm going to want to ask you this. I think I know probably one of them, but mm. biggest surprise packet from the World Cup? Well, you know, it has to be Morocco. Yeah. It has to be Morocco. That was amazing. Um, biggest surprise from the World Cup. Yeah, look, J- Japan, Japan were great. Japan, Japan very underrated what yeah. they did, didn't yeah. you think? They were brilliant. They were great. It was great for Asian football in general. I think yeah. like even the teams that did bomb out, yeah. Um, even South Korea, who got smacked by Brazil, but had that win in the last minute against Portugal. Even Saudi Arabia, unfortunately, went out in the group, but they had that win against Argentina. So every Asian team, besides Qatar, yeah. <laughs> every Asian team, they did something on the on the international scale. And I think you saw it with Morocco and how they were so, when they got to the semifinal, their manager, Rogagi, was saying, all of Africa should go for us yeah. because we are representing Africa. It doesn't matter where you're from, whatever. So I think- we need to feel a little bit like that with Asia as well because we yeah. are part of the Asian Confederation. Definitely. So we've got to feel proud when Asian football is doing well. That means we get more spots to qualify for World Cups, you Absolutely. know. So the biggest surprise was was Asia. I think we had what more, we had more Asian teams than South American teams in the next round. That's crazy. For the yeah. first time probably ever. It would be ever. Which is like that's punching well above it. Like yeah. Saudi's even beaten Argentina game yeah. one. That yeah. was a huge. Yeah, and they deserved massive. it too. Yeah, they, they were, did. Yeah. They were unbelievable. Yeah. They're well, actually speaking of South Korea, they played one of the games of the tournament, even though they lost against Ghana. Like yeah. It was 3-2. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, they were involved in some yeah. serious blockbusters. Yeah. Who who for you was your biggest letdown? I guess who who did you expect more from? Biggest letdown, obviously Belgium. Yeah. Like that was that was terrible. Um I can't say I didn't see it coming because that Belgian squad has been, I don't know, they were world number one for like four years. Every, they're, they're, 
like round of 16 quarterfinals yeah. and yeah. that's they never and that's it yeah yeah, yeah. That, that was a big letdown for me and Qatar I'll be honest with you I expected better from Qatar I, I, I went into this and at Optus we did this thing with like everyone from around the world with the Optus team put in their tips I had Australia to lose to Argentina in the round of 16 I had uh, you know Messi golden ball Argentina to win that a lot of people were tipping that yeah um, I, I got so many right but my dark horse was Qatar I really thought Qatar were going to go on a great Do run you know what uh, yeah because apparently someone and I didn't know this going into the World Cup that and correct me if I'm wrong, because mm. I reckon you'll know. Yeah. But like the guitar preparation for the World Cup, the yeah. players, yeah. they were doing it for much longer, apparently. Yeah. Like yeah, they yeah. were even pulled out of teams yeah. to prepare for it or something like that. Yeah. So Qatar and Saudi Arabia prepared for two months. Yeah. yeah. What the heck? Yeah. So they took their players, they stopped their leagues, they did the ultimate preparation. Qatar won the FIFA Arab Cup, they won the Asian Cup. Yeah. So coming into this, like for me at home, and it, there was always talk about the conditions, and I was like, hey, if anyone knows how to play in these conditions, Qatar. it's going to be them, and then probably us, because we played there for so long. Yeah. Um, but then just to see the way they came out, it's, it's that first game against Ecuador credit to Ecuador but Qatar just were not in it from the first minute yeah, yeah. and that was a big disappointment whatever you feel about you know the country and everything else it's like uh, a home team and those players have put so much into it and you, you see that they brought that coaching staff in over a decade ago and invested so much into this group of players and finally this is your moment and that's what you produce oh, I felt bad for him I felt awful for him yeah. I got a, I had a newfound uh, respect for Ecuador as well yeah. first game of the tournament Amazing. just come out and bossed it yeah. whole world watching yeah, yeah. yeah it was impressive yeah, yeah before the World Cup, I think like a lot of people had written the Socceroos off, obviously mm. from getting out of the group, but even in general, like mm. not even making the World Cup at one yeah. point. Obviously, we, we had an incredible qualifying campaign, which saw us get there. After that, I felt like that was a bit of a penny drop moment for me because I was like, fuck, all right, maybe we don't have five or six players playing in the top four leagues in Europe in mm. some of the best teams, whatever. But I'm like, there's a character in this team. Yeah. Yeah. That's like very impressive yeah. because how we got out of where we were to yeah. get to the World Cup. Yeah. Did you see them getting out of the group though? With with the group we had? I I I believed because I felt as though France and Denmark won't be straightforward. I'll I'll be honest with you, I thought France would would maybe Lust. I thought Me I thought too, maybe they would flop, you know? Because every they yeah, they're either in the World Cup final or they don't get out of the group France. Yeah. There's like no real There's in between. There's no in between. between. Exactly. Yeah. Um, unfortunately they went they with the first it. option. Yeah. Um but yeah, look, when I looked at it, I thought, look, the French had so many injuries. There was this internal drama with Kylian Mbappe and Karen yeah. Benzema, and that was like good. Yeah. Denmark were having <laughs> a lot of political issues, which fair enough, you know, they made their voice heard. Oh, were they? But they, yeah, they made their voice heard, but they were like number one team going against Qatar and they stopped all the like they, they weren't flying the families out to Qatar they were leaving them there and they were just flying the players in no brands no nothing no and I'm like that could affect they were, they went too far they went too far I thought okay that could be good uh, Tunisia I was a bit worried about to be honest I thought Tunisia was going to be the, one of our hardest games yeah. well, Denmark I thought it would be but Tunisia yeah yeah. And cool. I, I do think there was a harder game than Denmark I thought yeah. Denmark were quite woeful they were really when you, when you saw them at Euro 2020 and then you saw that at the World Cup it's just like I was, I, that's why I, th I thought Denmark would be our hardest game because yeah. of how good I know they are. Yeah, but yeah. they they were miles off it. Just yeah. bad tournament. Yeah, but yeah, I, I I guess I believed I believed after seeing you know the, the effort against Peru and like that's competitive football. That's football mm. where okay, there's an objective and you'll do anything to get that objective, even if it's not pretty. If we need to go nil nil and all the way to penalties, we do it. Mm. And that's how I felt we played against Denmark and Tunisia, and it was good. I I, I interviewed Graham Arnold um during the qualifying campaign. And my interview with him was right before we played Saudi Arabia in Sydney. 
and we drew nil nil and Harry Suter did his ACL. That's right? right. So my interview with him was the week before that. We were flying high. We were eleven wins straight. Mm. We were cruising to the World Cup, yeah, right? So chatting bang. to him, it was a great vibe. Oh. And then after I chat to him, we just went like draw to Saudi Arabia, lost to Japan. Yeah, I think we drew to shit. China or some shit, and we ended up like so close to going out. And I was yeah. like, fuck, he's never gonna do an interview with me again. Uh, like, <laughs> you're the yeah, omen. Yeah, you're yeah. the bad ace. You know, I was actually gonna ask you about him because I saw a photo of you interviewing him. Mm. What was most impressionable? to you about Arnie? I, I think he'd be great to play for. I really do think yeah. he'd be great to play for. And and I don't know, I haven't been coached by him, so I'm not going to speak tactically. Everyone's got their opinions on his tactics and whether he should play this or that or that or that. But as a person, I feel as though he'd be an inspiring character to play for. I was in a bit of a, I'm not, I'm not really one for much Twitter, right? Mm. But our videos from Born Offside, they get posted on Twitter. And I was in this Twitter thing where like everyone was having their two cents on my opinion. But I, I basically said that I felt that you see how the players have a rule that you have to be a citizen of that country to play for that country. Mm. I thought managers should have the same rule. Oh, right. That was my-, my Jets, You know right. what? I, it makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. when I look at Graham Arnold and what he did with his players, I don't think an international manager probably could have done that yeah. because it looked like pure belief. And yeah. he's got this thing. I've seen him. We've worked with Sydney FC and shot stuff when he was coaching there. He's got this thing about- And Regagi from Morocco did the same thing. Even if people love you from the outside and everyone's going for Morocco, he'll pull the players in and convince them that the world wants them to lose yeah. and that everyone hates you and that it's you against the world and you need to do this for your families. And Arnie does the same thing. Like even if the media is positive about Australia, like during the World Cup, he'll reel them in and go, they all hate you. They all want you to lose. They all, And he'll just build this camaraderie. And that's why I like him. I think as a man manager, he's the best we've got. Yeah. I reckon he, I reckon the, from what I've been told as well, the environment of yeah. like the Socceroos Hotel, everything yeah. Yeah. off the field was yeah. just like A+. Plus. Yeah. Like yeah. everyone loved each other. Yeah. How good would that be? Eh? In oh, camp with your best mates for a bro. month. Uh, I'd be player number twenty six. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, Martin Boyle. Yeah, used to check vibes off. Yeah, how good is that? Stuck around, couldn't play, and yeah. he's like still happy as Larry. And I'm yeah. like, man, that says a lot, you know. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. boys don't play, even Lex said it when he scored. He's like, man, you. He's like, the thing that he watches is the bench. Yeah. Like when they came on, it's like some guys that weren't even playing. Yeah. Like their reaction was more than mine. Yeah, like Milos. Yeah, right? yeah. That, was it the, 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 the game we won against Tunisia, I think, yeah, or correct. Denmark? And yeah, he's crying man, there he's, and he's on the bench, you know? He's it's, crazy. It's the best. His, some of his speeches, did you see them yeah. at the game? Yeah. Oh, man, they were like with Coach Carter, man. Yeah. Like Braveheart yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we drift off into some other topics, just before um, I do that, I just want to know from the Socceroo playing group, who, who impressed you at the World Cup? Anyone you expected, didn't expect that performed on the, on the biggest stage? Um, I thought I was really impressed. I, I have the luxury of speaking to a lot of them for our show on being sports. We have this, this segment near and far where we talk about, yeah, we, we zoom call them while they're just in you know training and just like living in Scotland, how's life over there. And I spoke, um, I spoke a little bit to Bacchus at one point, um, yeah. and when he had just signed for St. Mirren. And I, you know, seen a fair bit of him in the A League, and both the Bacchus brothers grew up playing for Blacktown City, which yeah. we play a lot against. I used um, to play with his brother. Did you, Kieran? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah back in the day. Um, and both obviously very tidy players, Man. but you know, on that scale, when he got thrown in, I thought he was brilliant, and I thought like he really stepped up and earned his spot to start in that Argentina game. Crazy. So I was really that? proud of him as a player from Western Sydney. Um, Mitch Duke, I know what he brings to to football, and I've always said like, you know, sometimes your team is set up that you need a player to do that job. Mm. And when you talk to Mitch, he admits he knows what he's there for. He knows he's not flashy. He knows he's not going to beat 10 players and score a goal. He knows what his job is and he does it so well. So he impressed me too. Craig Goodwin was great for the A-League, wasn't yeah. it? Just to see him I'm step surprised. up. I reckon he'll get a move soon, you know? Yeah, he's, he's at that point in his career now. It's like, what is the next step? You know, well, do you the, go for a cash grab before you get too old? Yeah, or? and Adelaide's kind of slip, slipping down the ladder and I'm like, yeah. you've just had a good World Cup. Yeah. Unless you want to like, 
lock up shop there in your family and stuff. Yeah. But I just thought he'd be gone. I think you get a good deal, eh? Yeah. Just at least two, three years. Middle East, Asia, wherever. Yeah. yeah, I reckon yeah, as well. big money. Um, and of course, Harry Suter. To do yeah. that after an ACL, a lot of players, I've done one, a lot of players have done one and know how, what it's like coming back, especially when you're that size and you lose a lot of speed and he barely prepared for this World Cup. Oh, he was man. fantastic. I think, was it the Tunisia game, the, the last ditch blocks, the yeah. efforts? Like, man, yeah. it was just inspiring. Yeah, he was incredible. Yeah. Was incredible. I actually, we, we spoke about this last time, I'll put it to you, but the Mitch Duke header. Yeah. I only think Olivier Giroud could score a goal like that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's such a unique way of scoring that yeah. not all strikers can score that. Use the pace of the ball, like yeah. float like a duck, not yeah. even see the goal. Yeah, He knew exactly what he was doing. He Incredible. knew where he was putting it, right? It yeah. was fantastic. You saw it, Um, they played that game uh, recently, that Saudi Arabian All-Stars against PSG, mm. and Ronaldo had a goal that he scored, but it was a header that went off the post and uh, came back yeah, to him yeah, and he yeah, scored it. Yeah. But it was it was very similar. It, it was, was like it? He's, he's on the near side of the goal and like glanced it back to the far Which post. Which is the hardest thing to do. Which is the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Um, so I know I'm comparing Cristiano Ronaldo and Mitch Duki, but why not? Why not? Why <laughs> well, not? Duke, yeah. Duki went and actually went in. You know? like, so, <laughs> I think Duke, Duke might have scored more at the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so um, no, nah, it was an amazing header. Great moment. For oh, him. beautiful, man. Well, yeah, you did, you did do a great job in SP. Yes, for you, you're, you're very uh, clean and um, come across really well, which on like, you know, it's one thing to watch on TV, different mm. to be behind the camera yeah. and actually do it in real time and then yeah. s- be sitting next to like fucking Mark Bosnich and yeah. Craig Foster and like yeah. holding a level of conversation yeah. with, you know, those guys, which yeah. I can imagine would have been pretty cool. Yeah, did no, that, did awesome. that take some time to get used to or were you okay from the get-go? Um, I think I, I think I was okay from the get-go. I think I, I realized when I did Euro 2020 uh, for Optus, that was the first time I did live. Oh, well, so maybe back then, did, did that take time to get used to initially? Like yeah, being yeah. on that platform? You know what I do? This is going to sound ridiculous. Ridiculous. I tense my calves. Tense my calves. Right? I tense my calves. What? This is the key. Oh, like when you're sitting there. When I'm sitting there, my calves are on fire. If I, <laughs> my calves are on fire. If I'm ever feeling nervous, if I because when I was doing Euros, like things would fall through, things would change, the producer would say something, it's all going. You can't tell. Because you look at the presenters, everything's sweet. In yeah. the background, everything's fucking on fire, right? Oh my days. And I I just I just naturally, and I used to do this at school when I do speeches, right? If I was feeling nervous, I'd tense both my calves. No one's looking at your calves. If you've got shorts on, you're in trouble. But then yeah. you just look like Jack Realish. You look sweet. You yeah, know what I mean? Job, like, mate, best cars. cars in the world. Exactly. Yeah. No one looks there, but I feel like if I focus all my nervous energy down there, then I look super chilled up top. So right. my calves are always tense if if I'm in a nervous moment. Fuck, yeah. man. Show, that's, I don't know. Showbiz, huh? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. That's incredible. But then man. it's bad because then I go play football that night and I'm like, my yeah, calves are walk, cramping yeah, and I'm, like, I'm ripping I'm off like, the bone. I'm just like, what's wrong with you? I'm presenting today, <laughs> man. It was a tough gig. Oh, man. I don't think you're a weirdo. Yeah, yeah. Um, one, one of the downfalls probably for, for me with the World Cup, and this is post-World Cup, is it's, it was felt like a great time for Australian football to capitalize on right. like some success. Mm. And they kind of the, the natural sort of progression it feels like quite negative with obviously decisions around yeah. the grand finals the yeah. APL and yeah. obviously the, the fan drama with the Melbourne Derby and mm. so forth mm. what's sort of been your like feeling around that did you get a sense of disappointment or yeah. do you think it's not as big as what people are making it out to be uh, a bit of both yeah. a bit of both of course I was disappointed it was terrible for football it was it was I, I was out at dinner uh, during that Melbourne derby. Um, and then I, I, I got tagged in all these things and I looked and I got all these videos sent to me and I was like, oh no, this is this is terrible. This is terrible mm. for the game. Um, unfortunately, as terrible as it is, these things happen and they happen everywhere. And it, I'm not condoning it. It was terrible and people should be giving life bans and should never attend a football match again. Mm. But we also need to move forward. And, you know, it's, and mainstream media is always going to grab that and use that story for the next five years because mm. that's what they like to do to our game. Um, but yeah, it was, it was bad. Starting with the grand final decision, I think um, from what I heard from people within that 
circle. This decision was made a long, long time ago, mm. and they knew this was happening. This literally, is purely like a, a a business decision as well. It's for a the, business for decision. the growth of the A League, right? It's not to yeah. Yeah. Growth it was for money, right? Yeah, but that's what I mean. Exactly. So the growth of the A League financially, yeah. yes, because yes. that's why they need to do it. Yes, and the league's not making as much money as it you know would like. Exactly, them. exactly. Yeah. And I'm no, you know, I don't know, I don't, I don't know too much about. I'm no treasurer, but <laughs> it, it, it didn't, it didn't sound like a whole lot of money in mm. my eyes. So I was like a little bit disappointed at that. But I thought if you knew this a long time ago. For me, it wasn't the problem. Wasn't the decision they made. The problem was like you had to have a PR plan for this. Yeah, surely, mate. Like if you knew a year and a half ago that this was a decision, did you not spend a year and a half like finding out what people would want to hear? Yeah. Like okay, listen, it's only three years. Position it like that. I know it's only three years. I know, but three years we're going to do a final here. We're going to get this investment with this money. It's going to allow us to do this to the league, mm. and we're going to improve this. That's how you speak to football fans. You don't just come out one day and with this video, which has been edited of players saying that they love A League finals and they didn't even know they were going to be in this video. <clears throat> yeah, and you just tell people, okay, finals are in Sydney now, and the headlines were like A League finals moved to Sydney. People didn't know it was only three years. People didn't know there was money injected or where that money is going to be going. So it was just a terrible PR. It's incredible, man. Because not only the fan disconnect, which is a, a huge problem, yeah. but I guarantee you now, maybe I don't know about the Sydney siders, mm. there's not one player that likes that. Like, no. Do you know what I mean? Even the Sydney siders, yeah, though. Yeah, like, it's, like there's, if all the players are like, that. that's shit. Yeah, yeah. And especially the year after, literally, like, the three Melbourne teams dominated the league oh, last year. Yeah, yeah. Western and Sydney yeah. were the final last yeah. year. Imagine that in Sydney. I always, wonder, I always think like that, Mike, would that get a crowd? Like, nah, Western versus Sydney? and wouldn't. In you know, Western Sydney or something I don't like think it would. I don't think yeah. it would. And it's it's a shame. That's a shame. What happened then after that is is an even bigger shame. Mm. And it, you know, you guys would have felt it more here in, in Melbourne, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm sure. Oh, victory's still feeling it, bro. Yeah. Like it's, you know, it's the, the next few games or yeah. beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a shame. And unfortunately, you've seen this in so many places around the world. You saw it recently with Arsenal taking on Tottenham. Yeah. That one idiot can ruin it for everyone. Mm. A guy jumps the fence and kicks Aaron Ramsdale. Why are you doing that? Well, the rest of the stadium wouldn't do that. And that's unfortunately how it is. And I know some some real, real big Melbourne Victory fans and they were so, they were the most embarrassed and yeah. they were the most disappointed because they don't want to condone that. Yeah. They don't feel that way. They love the fact that their club is, let's be real, Melbourne Victory, probably the biggest club in Australia. Mm. They love that. They know that and they want to represent that, but not in that way. And it sucks when someone's let you down. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, that's what it is being part of a football team yeah. um, and being a member of a club. So look, it's terrible. I think we all got to move on from it. Um, and the way to do that is- handing out these life bands, making sure these people don't set yeah, foot in the stadium again, the make wrist. an example yeah. of them. And we have to move on though. Correct. We have to. You know, and this is definitely not to condone it because I've, I've spoken about this already on this show, how ridiculous it was. But when you grow up close to football, because mm. in obviously in this city, Melbourne, there's a lot of AFL crowd and mm. they don't experience that type of behavior from fans, which is good. Yeah. But when you grow up in the football world and yeah. you see like River Plate versus Boca Juniors, yeah, it's yeah. like a, a, a rate of one death per game. Yeah, yeah, Do you know what I mean? Too. It's I like you, you're, you're a bit, it's a bit more normalized to yeah, you. Yeah. Even though it's ridiculous, like yeah. the keeper getting hit, uh, Glover yeah. getting hit by the, the bucket was yeah. out of this world yeah. but it's like you see it this game does that to people around it's, the it world. happens yeah. a lot yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. Man. it does it does yeah and I've got I've got a lot of family in Buenos Aires so I've, I've had the luxury of flying over there watching River Plate play and yeah these people they live and breathe it like to another level that you don't understand oh man you don't conversate um, with people who are nah. the other the other colour of the city exactly you know? not to mention the Turkish Super League if you ever like oh. that that's on my list to go watch games in the Turkish really? Super League really I love Galatasaray versus football culture is just insane yeah. I want to go and see it did yeah. you speak to Harry Kuhl actually about his time in yeah, yeah. What did he say about Because he was a legend there. And Bro, I think Galatasaray at the time was booming. I reckon Istanbul's his favorite city in the world. Yeah. He loves it. We were chatting about it. And um, and I said, I said to him, I'm like, you're a legend over there, eh? And he's like, man, 
Yeah. He goes, it's so good. And once you've played for Gala and if you've been successful for Gala, he goes, you walk into every restaurant, you'll get a table everywhere, you'll get a haircut everywhere for free, you'll go in. He like, he goes, yeah. he's like a legend there. But he goes, but besides all that, he goes, it's the most one of the most beautiful places on earth yeah. for so many reasons. He goes back regularly. Bruce Bruce Jitte was playing in Turkey at the time and he obviously, I think he was sort of in the soccer, he's in and out. So he knew um, Harry Cool quite well. And they were hanging out over there and he goes, yeah. man, he would just go with Harry. He was just like partying the Red Sea. Yeah. Like yeah. everyone would move. Legend. It was just huge, man. So good. Uh, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Uh, going into the A-League now, um, obviously the, the team to beat has been Melbourne City. Yeah. Uh, paper. Yeah. Do you think they can be stopped? Like, and and if so, who? Look, maybe in a final series. That, like that, a one-off game. That's why we have finals, right? I don't think anyone's stopping them to, to the, the minor premiership, which for me is the league title. Are you one of those? I'm are a you football like, romantic. Yeah, yeah, I am too. I'm all about that. I'm all about that. I spoke <sighs> to Nani about this as well like yeah. recently, and he was like, he like, doesn't understand it. Yeah, yeah. Because I, mean, I was explaining to him, I was like, man, like he, he wasn't maybe happy with his first sort of start to the season. And I was like, man, you know, like understand. But in Australia, like you just want to arrive – on the back end, bro. Yeah. Like you don't want to lose that distance between top because yeah. last year victory went 16 games yeah. undefeated yeah. and then one bad game in the second leg. Yeah. And I hate that. I'll yeah, be honest with you, I hate that. Which is why you've you got know? that view, right? Yeah, because I, this is why like football has a league and a cup competition. And I, I personally am a huge advocate of the Australia Cup. I think it's, yeah, you know, almost still undervalued, but it's growing. But that needs you to be your cup competition. And I'm not saying get rid of the, I don't think the A-League's at a point we can get rid of the final series yet, but in an ideal world, yes, I think we wouldn't have a final series, but the Australia Cup would maybe run with the season and that is your final series. That is your semi-final. You get to the semi-final of the Australia Cup, it's a big game, right? Yeah. You get to the final of the Australia Cup. So they become almost as prestigious as each other, like the FA Cup and the Premier League. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm more a fan of first past the post or yeah, maybe something like, you know what I've always thought would be good here, but obviously we don't have relegation, right? Which is great for Melbourne Victory because you <laughs> Melbourne could just chill and, mm. and focus on next season, yeah. which is ridiculous. But yeah, anyway, it's shocking. Which is ridiculous. But I like what they do in the Scottish Premiership because they only have 12 teams in Scotland, right? And they play everyone three times and then they split the league six and six. So the top six play each other in the last five rounds oh, no and the way. bottom six play each other in the last five rounds. And there's no finals, but it means- you know, if you're first in the league, you're probably only like three, four, five, six points ahead of everyone, but you know you have to finish with second, third, fourth, and fifth. That's genius. So they make you know? those two buckets of the thing like competitive, competitive. almost like a mini final series. And they're still playing for points. So if you've done your job and you're already 12 points clear, great. But if you're only three, four points clear, you have to play all the biggest teams. And if you're coming fourth and you're only nine points off top, you know that you get to play third, second, and you, first. You're playing the your rivals so in that spot. it's all in your hands, you know? That's amazing. So it's kind of like a final. Same with relegation. We should like, actually do that. That's a, I really like it. That, sh that should be the A-League thing. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. We'll, we'll tell there you go. Danny Townsend. Let's get it started. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> out, seriously. No, because I, I actually, um, I think like, yeah, with, with our league like and you, you hear it with Pep like mm. he talks about the, the trophies he values the most and it's always the Premier League yeah, because it's the hardest one to win yeah. and it's not to take away from the Champions League it's just like home and away legs for 38 games yeah, it's pure dominance yeah do you yeah. know what I mean yeah. It's it feels like it's a harder harder victory yeah it is. That's 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 always been football. That's the way it should be. But yeah. anyway, who when you think about sort of your younger days connecting to the A League and mm. who for you was the most influential player like in, in the history or just someone that made you gravitate to a particular time Ooh. or team in the A League? That's great. That's a great question. That's a really good question. Yeah, it's a hard one. Um, I'll, I'll, mine, mine was probably outside of Archie would be Thomas Broich. Yeah, I was going to say Thomas Broich because he was right. he was fantastic, wasn't he? Just I, like I think growing up in Sydney. Um, Del Piero from everything off the field was was easily the most influential. Like the buzz around Sydney in regards to football for those yeah. couple of years, 
I've never seen before or after. Yeah. So that definitely. On the pitch, for me, the best player that's ever worn Sydney FC's shirt, and this is only in a one-off season, was uh, Adrian Mijewski. Oh, really? I think. The, is he with the Polish The winger? Polish guy. Yeah. Because Ninkovic, amazing. You know, all these players, amazing. Over Just a one-off season. One-off season. What he did with the ball, I've never seen another player really? do this. Really? He was so good. That's he left field. So good. That I, is left field. I loved watching him and he didn't give a shit about anyone. That's what I loved about him. <laughs> he was like a mercenary, like that guy. Like oh, he just, he would man. just go wherever the money was and do his thing, score goals from anywhere. He had like the, the flex celebration. Oh. I loved him. He, he, he was my, my kind of player because he didn't care what anyone thought. But you got to say also, uh, an influential player in this league, best up Berisha. Yeah. yeah. Whether you love yeah. him or hate him, yeah. he's like the Luis Suarez of the A-League. Yeah, he was, wasn't you he? Know? And I very, love those characters. Very similar. Yeah. I reckon Jay McLaren's going to get him this year for the yeah. most goals. I think so. And I like that he's almost like found, I mean, he's always been a goal scorer, mm. but I feel like character-wise, he's grown into this like, team's starting to hate him. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I like that. Yeah. I like that about him. He's and he got gives that. it back. Yeah. I think yeah. like they're playing- um, I'm playing Brisbane soon, but yeah, when he plays Brisbane, like yeah. he just goes over to him, like he's, he's got, he's got new I am. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that about. I him. love that too. Yeah, probably one of the one of the great things around the A League, and we saw it a little bit with the World Cup, but obviously now the the produce mm. being so young mm. at times, and mm. the talent we're getting to see overseas, and yeah. now you can you sort of see the selection in the World Cup. Mm. Have to talk about Grand Qual. Yeah, like f- for you, obviously you you probably see a little bit more of him being where you are mm. and so forth. But do you think it's too soon or do you think he's he really is like what everyone is saying and th- that's where he needs to be um i look i don't i don't know about hearts personally yeah i was i was a bit uh, i wasn't sure about that scotland like in scotland general. in general i wasn't sure about that i think it suits certain players cammy devlin is a player i grew up playing with he suits scotland mm. perfect for him get in there he's a bulldog Runner. he's gonna love it there he's gonna play 40 games a season he's gonna improve that's fantastic mm. um we remember what happened with daniel azani that was a Injury. This is my thing. Yeah. That's my, I'm the yeah. one who I've, I'm like squinting it with the whole Garen Qual situation because yeah. I want him to do well. And 100%. I think probably ability wise, when you watch him, like, yeah. holy shit. Yeah. But it's a lot of like 17, 18. It's a yeah. lot, man. Yeah. And and when I look at like him as a player, he's dynamic. He's got that, that change of pace, but he's got flair and he's got skill. And I couldn't help but think if he went to a bit more of a technical footballing nation, mm. they would grab that and harness it and develop it in the right way. You know, mm. like there was these rumors that he was maybe going to go to Portugal or something. And I was yeah. kind of hoping you'd go that there. Better you know, speak a whole different language. You develop it. You become a man when you have to speak a whole different language in another country. And then also it's such a technical league. Yeah. I thought that would suit him more, but I get it. He's super young. Yeah. So he's going to a club with three other Aussies already in the first team. Um, he's going to be comfortable there. Hopefully he'll get a lot of game time. I get it. And it yeah. might be a good move for him. And yeah, he is owned hopefully. by Newcastle, so... Well, if there's anything that could replicate a little bit of English football, you think the Scottish yeah. nature might help him, but... Uh, if, if you were a young player, would you rather go on loan to Scotland or to the championship, the English championship? Probably Scotland. Really? Okay. Only, only because I put the championship on such a level of difficulty. Okay to play like a high quality brand of football. Right. Like it's a shit fight every yeah. game. It's the most entertaining league in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's not like, the, and the only reason is I'm thinking like, where would I actually get more football development out of? Okay. Scotland. Pot- yeah, maybe. Okay. Because I'd play like the champions, championships. It's fourth most viewed league in the world, it's I think. Mental. It it's crazy, mental. bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. But I, well, I do worry about him because I, I said this to, to Jay McLaren that like when it all happened, I was like, he's like, fuck man, like, Cause I was asking about him, like, is he like, what's he like in camp and stuff? He gave him like big props. He's like, I was like, fuck man, like 17, 18, like going to Newcastle. It's like, oh. 
it's a tough thing to do. He goes, yeah, man, look, no one's done it. I'm like, yeah. yes, they have, bro. I'm yeah. like, Curtis Good. Yeah. He signed a six-year deal there. That's right. And like, you know, one of what, like a guy that I used to play with and be yeah. good friends with and had to come back. Like, yeah. it's, I'm like, just, I don't want that to happen again. Yeah. Like it's time, true. you know. It's true. It's true. So a lot of players with big clubs. I mean, I you know what, James Treacy was the Juventus player for five yeah. years. <laughs> you know? Man, he's got like an <laughs> unbelievable story. Yeah. Like oh. you, you end up being owned by those clubs and it can go either way. So look, I, I dare say that if that was dangled in front of any other 18 year old, I think anyone would have taken yeah, it. Yeah. But that's the thing. You can't not take it yeah, as well. You can't not take yeah, it. That's yeah. That's a, it's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, I want to dip into the Premier League because we, we love talking about the Premier League and this has probably been almost like, it feels like a bit of a changing of the guard year in some regards because yeah. we've been so used to Liverpool, Man City dominance and obviously yeah. City is still well and truly there. But what's been your sort of makeup of the Premier League so far? Because you do do some stuff around it, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do a lot of uh, Sunday morning shows for Optus on the Premier League and stuff. Yeah, I've, I've been all over it and... I, I've got a soft spot for Chelsea. Chelsea's always been my club growing up. What is going on there? Um, Your transfer. Like, so are, you, are you embarrassed as a Chelsea fan or are you excited? I'm embarrassed. No, I, I don't care. Too, look, I don't look too much into dollars and cents and, oh, they spent this, but I don't care about that. Mm. I care about like the, the, the identity of the club. And I just feel like it's lost so much because obviously your owner's gone and we know why that happened, but you don't realize that everyone that's in charge of scouting and director of sport, all these people have changed. And yeah. you can tell when I watch them, play when I watch the players they sign it doesn't feel like the Chelsea of old but clubs do that right yeah. they, they change so let's see it's been it's been refreshing I think it has been take away the fact that Arsenal fan are you an Arsenal fan no man okay. you good I <laughs> hate Arsenal yeah I was gonna say take away the fact that Arsenal fans can be so infuriating oh right? my and, god and, and AFTV to a T so annoying but if yeah. you take the fans away no one deserves this more. Oh, man. They're, so I'm really so happy. enjoyable to watch. They're so enjoyable to watch. They stuck with a manager that was, you know, a lot of people were calling for his head when he started last season with three straight losses, conceding like mm. 10 goals. You know, yeah. he lost 5-0 to City, yeah. lost 3-0, lost. They stuck with him, stuck with his philosophy. He made massive calls to dump big players like mm. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and yeah. the club backed him. Captain as well. Exactly. Time. And, uh, and and despite all that, and then even the way he's managed like Granit Xhaka and all these players oh. that have big personalities, but he's brought in... Everything is perfect. If they go on and win it, no one would deserve it more. Do you feel like I feel like but everyone? I mute everything. Everyone, yeah, everyone. I still feel is waiting for this like Arsenal kind of slip yeah. march. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what's happened yeah. before? Yeah, I know. Especially when you got City there breathing down your neck. But what might work in their favor is like, uh, look, Pep Guardiola came out recently, and he is the type of guy that would just always play these mind games but he said we don't care about the Premier League we've won it so much we're focusing on the Champions League yeah he's a genius he's a genius he's a like genius, that man. But, uh, but you do think that deep down inside if you asked any City fan in the world they would want that Champions League trophy more than oh, anything man. Um, yeah. United there but I think it's still a, surely it's the still Palace a rebuilding game, but that's bothered me yeah because yeah. I was like that's if you are that team you win, you that, win that you win that you win that 1-0 yeah, you true. don't cop that guy and, uh, and now then obviously this will probably be out post this but Casemiro loss against Arsenal yes. too is huge yes it's massive. like pivotal man yeah so. look I think they can uh, these these they got a tough run of games of course they still got to play City twice mm. and that's massive because that could just be six points that you lose there yeah but um, I think it's like, yeah I think it's Arsenal's to lose they've shown it credit to them they yeah. deserve it yeah, special team. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't actually watched this, so take this with a pinch of salt. But mm. apparently, the Arsenal documentary yeah. behind the four walls with Arteta is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, I've Have watched seen it in pieces. I've watched pieces. pieces. Yeah, because I watched the City one. I watched the Spurs. Yeah, one. I watched. I've watched them too. Yeah, yeah. I've watched the Arsenal. I'm watched, like, I hate Arsenal. Yeah, so. I know. I know what you mean. <laughs> I, don't I, don't know what you mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. I'd probably watch it just for Arteta though. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that he picked up 
like he's obviously from City, but he's picked up two City players that have come in and influenced his team so much as well. Yeah, it just feels like he's done a mad job on Pep Guardiola here. Yeah, let's oh, absolutely. Who's who's been your most? Because I don't want to say the best signing because a lot of people mm. probably tend to go with Han, but most mm. underrated signing in the Premier League season. Most underrated signing. Um, well, you you got to go. You got to go with Arsenal, don't you? I'm just trying to think. If but, you could- uh, th- this is my thing with Arsenal. Their recruitment. That, that I feel like they're not signing the players that are like the biggest names in the yeah. world or whatever. They just sign the right pieces the right of pieces. quality players yeah. and it works. Yeah, like Zinchenko's turned out to be a fantastic like, like, signing. And then Sa- even Saliba's like Saliba, a superstar. I mean, Gabby, if he didn't get injured, you'd, yeah. you'd be, we'd probably be sitting here Seriously. saying Gabby Jesus. Yeah. Um, well, Jesus, is, yeah, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. He, I, I watch him play and I'm like, he's one of the best players in the world at Arsenal. Yeah, like yeah. his movements, his, yeah. he's like a bit like Benzema where he's so involved in general play. If he doesn't yeah. score, yeah. he can affect the game so much. Yeah. I'll, I'll say, I'll say, um, you know what? I'll give you a bit of love. I'm going to say Casemiro. Casemiro, yeah, <laughs> me I think too. Number six is I, I love, I've always loved that position, um, <clears> and I watch a lot of Serie A as well. Napoli are flying high, and there's a guy called Lobotka that plays in their midfield that makes everything tick. Like if Lobotka isn't in that team, they don't play the way they play. Kante had that effect on Leicester and Chelsea for many years. Yeah. Casemiro's come in and plugged that up. Bruno Guimaraes, I think, will turn out to be a super player for Newcastle as well. So these signings, people, the clubs are really looking at the way their team play and they, they all need this anchor. Yeah. Arsenal are a different team when Thomas Partey plays. Yeah. Um, so I just love that position. So any any club that's gone out and actively signed that player, so which you guys did, yeah. I, I would say, yeah, that's probably yeah. Yeah. one of the most underrated signings. I love that. I love that. Well done, Claude. Perfect. <laughs> you know who I love in that position is Rodri as well. I think yeah. so he's, a, he's a quarterback. He's so good, man. He's a top player. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a top player. So do you think Arsenal can actually hold this out? I think they can. Really? I really think they can, yeah. Wow. As I said, the only reason I don't like that is because their fans are so annoying. Yeah. But take that away and I, I'm, I'm proud of them. Wow. So Because I've still got this thing. I'm like, there's got to be, like, there's more drama left than You think so, yeah? Well, I'm just, I'm maybe part of me is I hoping. I think there'll be more drama. They're not going to run away with it. Nah. I think there'll be more drama. I think it'll go down towards the very end, but oh, I could just see it happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I don't know. And if City come back and win this- I mean, look, if United win it, it'll be an absolute fairy tale. But if City come back and win this, it just feel like the same as every year and almost yeah. it would just it would just take the It does, it takes the steam out of it. Take the steam it? out of it. Although the best thing is there aren't that many City fans, so you don't hear it from that. <laughs> you don't hear yeah, it as much. Yeah, you know? they're all plastic. You're man. gonna cop it if Arsenal win the league. Right? <laughs> I know. So I know. that's why Seriously. it's tough. But yeah. Uh before we um round the show out, I just wanna one of the things that's common at the moment is the ownership around some of these clubs. Obviously, yep. Liverpool yep. potentially up for sale. Yeah. Man U, there's heaps of talk about the, the yeah. sale. And then yeah. obviously Chelsea being recently bought. Yeah. What's sort of your view around how some of these clubs are, the, like the position now where the Premier League clubs are so valuable, mm. like they're a ridiculous amount of money, but also mm. the power that some of these owners have. Yeah. Like you see Todd Bowles, it feels like Graham Potter doesn't make a football decision. No, yeah. Like he, he makes sorry, on-field decisions, but he doesn't control what he's what he has coming in, what he has going out. Yeah. And and I think when you, you'd know this very well, when you speak to footballers or anyone that works in these massive football clubs, you realize the amount of people involved in decision-making yeah. and the amount of times that a player is signed without a manager's approval. The manager's like, okay, you have this player Crazy, now. Huh? Everyone talks about, but even under Roman Abramovich, everyone talks about the fact that Carlo Ancelotti didn't sign Fernando Torres. And it was just like, what? A, the, you know, Abramovich and his, in his, staff wanted Torres and it was like, here you go, you have Torres. Now he's going to be at training next week. It's like, sometimes that happens where yeah. it's not the manager's decision. Um, and I think a lot of that would have happened with Tommy Tuchel at the start of the season. I, I feel like that's what's happening now. Definitely. Yeah. with yeah. Potter. And, uh, and yeah, I think he's, yeah, Potter's getting pushed over a little bit. These players just coming in left, right and center, but look, 
unfortunately, like when something's growing exponentially, you can't slow it down. You can't mm. turn it around. Players are only going to get paid more and more and more. Mm. The money in football is only going to go higher and higher. How do you stop it? Yeah. And so at that point, it becomes godlike and it's like, it's, it's probably unhealthy. Yeah. It definitely is unhealthy, yeah. but how do you stop it? And so these players are worth so much money. You got players that have spent a year in Europe and they're worth a hundred million. Enzo yeah. Fernandez almost went to Chelsea for a Premier League yeah, record after only six months being in Europe. It's ridiculous. This is what players are worth now. Are they worth that money? Well, if they sell a billion jerseys at a hundred dollars each, maybe they are worth that money. I don't know. I don't really know how the figures work, but yeah. it's just crazy. So yeah, it, unfortunately the people that can afford to buy these clubs are not really going to be people from those areas. No. So now you've got someone that's coming in that's maybe never even lived in that town and they're buying the football club, which as you know, football clubs, represent the people of the area. Yeah, which is the biggest issue. Like which if the owner doesn't issue. connect with that. Exactly, exactly. It's and so the best owners are the ones that come in, put their money, embrace, enjoy the game, go to the game, enjoy it, hire the right people around. You know, the whole thing with Roman Abramovich, people can love him or hate him. I think he's probably the best club owner ever. Mm. I think so. Because yes, he brought in his people, but you look at the, the amount of retired Chelsea footballers that were hired straight back into Chelsea. Ashley Cole, Makalele was in Chelsea for a while. John Terry was in Chelsea for a while. Frank Lampard was in Chelsea. Peter Cech was the goalkeeper coach. They'd retire. He'd hire him straight. Michael Essien was there at one yeah. point. Um, so this whole culture felt like Chelsea was a, a club Family within itself. And sense. yeah, Roman, of course, is putting the money and he comes to the game and he sits in his box. But it seemed like he had that separation. Wasn't even allowed in England for a few years yeah. and was still running the club and putting the money. Whereas when an owner comes in and wants to do everything, which you saw a lot in the Chinese Super League, they I'm were not just, a fan of it. They were just buying clubs and, and, and picking the starting lineup. It just doesn't work. No, like, I don't it like it, man. Work, that's, why, that's my thing with Chelsea. It just feels like something volatile. Like, I think yeah. Potter's, Potter's head's- And I, I feel- could be gone. I don't know. I have nothing to back this up, but mm. just watching as a spectator, I feel as though American owners are too hands-on compared to yeah. the, let's say, the Arab owners mm. that come in. I feel like the Qatari, the Saudi Arabian owners, as much as they have a lot of money and they, you know, they, could, they can be erratic- They're just times, not as well-run clubs. I just feel like they buy it and they put the, like Newcastle, look at what Newcastle are doing. It's impressive. Yeah, I feel like the American owners sometimes, we see in Italy a lot as well, like they, they buy a club and they, they really have this idea of turning it into an Americanized <laughs> baseball club. You franchise. know what I mean? They change a franchise <laughs> yeah. and it just changes everything. So yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the American owners, but yeah. hey, that's the way it's going. Well, we'll see who, man, you get hopefully soon because I yeah. think everyone's craving some new ones. But- We're saying uh, Sir Jim Radcliffe, yeah. which, which would make sense. But you know? the thing that bothers me about that is he wanted to buy Chelsea. Like, he knows a Chelsea season ticket holder. Yeah, and so I'm like, well, he's now he's <laughs> going to buy us. Like, why? Like, Hope he's just a toy. into the ground. Yeah, like I want someone that maybe he's an affiliated to a rival. But yeah, yeah. nonetheless, well, Claude, it's been a pleasure having you on. I do just want to round out with uh, a question that we always do on the show, okay. which uh, there's sort of three key traits that uh, I associate to, you know, being successful either, either as an athlete or in business, whatever it may be, all important together. But if you could just sort of tell us about which one resonates to you and your sort of success and okay. why, yes. um, that would be great. So resilience, drive, or ambition, which one sort of for you was pivotal to be able to be a talk show host at 26 on Optus Sport, SPS, BN Sports. Wow. Um, Powerful. The, the, Powerful yeah, way to end the show. Yeah, it's really good. I, I mean, they all are to anyone that's successful. I'll, I'll pick, for me, I'll pick, I'm not going to sit here and pick resilience because I think everyone has to be resilient, but there are people in the world which have been far more resilient than me, which haven't haven't been born in the area I'm born in and haven't gone to the school I went to with the parents that I had that mm. supported me and everything. So I'm not going to say resilience. I'd say ambition. I'd say ambition to make a change and to also, you know, in, in this industry of media, what I found is you can go into a big major corporation as a, as a young starter and you can be an apprentice 
And you can go in and you can get coffees for years and you can do what they say or you can stay outside and you can be independent. Mm. And in a year, they'll come and offer you this. Mm. And you stay outside, independent. Next year, they'll offer you this. You say no again. You stay outside, you stay independent. So I would say ambition because I, I have an ambition of like where I value myself. Um, and I don't think I'm, I think I have so much to work on. That's why I keep working every week, but you value yourself so highly. And until someone gives you that, and they probably never will, mm. but you have this ambition that that is your goal. And so you're not going to settle for anything less than that. It doesn't matter if it keeps you up at night, if you've got to work weekends, if you've got to travel, if you've got to pay your own, but this is where you want to be. So I think for me, it's, it's ambition to say, nah, I can do that. And other young people can do that too. And the world is changing and there's nothing to be afraid of. It's something to embrace. So I think I've got this ambition of how media should look in the next 20 years. And so that's what keeps me going. Beautiful, bro. Yeah. You'll be shaping the media of, of the game in the country, huh? I'd, lo I'd love to be just one of the many because there are yeah. a lot of other people like yeah, me. Definitely, you know, I'm man. definitely not one of a kind and no. just, they just don't have the platform yet. So yeah. we're trying to build that platform for everyone. Beautifully said, yeah. man. Well, thank you for coming on no on the show, man. I'm sure we'll do more collaborations in the future, no of doubt, course, bro. definitely. But I uh, appreciate it. Episode one, guys, we're done. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award winning OzCast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. OzCast. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details.